Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jason Reed and Daniel Preciado. The Lake Show Life Podcast is undergoing a name change. You know, this is a new podcast. Hasn't been around too long, so we could, uh, we could change the culture around a little bit without, you know, upsetting too many diehard longtime fans. Uh, instead of the Lake Show Life podcast, I think we we're going to be called the Taylor Horton Tucker podcast. Um, Down with it. Uh, maybe a, a THT Caruso hybrid podcast. Um, some We'll come up with some clever name like that. Um, but after two preseason games, I mean, the Lakers are back. Of course, it's great. But after two preseason games, the story of the Lakers, who just won their 17th championship two months ago and have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, is a guy who is younger than both of us and is balling out, and it's just incredible. Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah, absolutely great, man. He's looked great the last two games in preseason against the the Clippers, who blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. Yep, in, can't, uh, can't forget. Yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just got to remind the listeners. But, yeah, man, he looks great. And I know I talked uh, very, very highly of him across the playoffs, and I thought he should get more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's showing kind of why now. I'm, it's not like he's playing with a bunch of you know G League players, although the Clippers did play 18 players uh, <laughs> last night. But you know Kawhi Leonard got minutes. Paul George got minutes. They, a lot of their key role players got minutes. So it's not like he's playing G League basketball games. And he torched the Clippers for 33 points last night. Yeah. Absolutely electric. Yeah, man. I mean, he was great the first game, too. Um, I'm going to pull up his stat line here. So yesterday, the time of recording this yesterday, uh, THT went, what, 33-10-4 and in 41 minutes. And the first game, I believe he scored. He didn't score as much. I believe he scored 15 or 16, but he was also great uh, rebounding the basketball and on the defensive end, 19-9-4. Uh, um, and he's getting the most minutes in these preseason games. And, yeah, it's the preseason. And expecting THT to go out and score 33, you know, he's averaging, what, like 26, 27 in these two preseason Mm -hmm. games. Expecting that, obviously, that's not going to happen. He's not going to get that many minutes in the regular season. And things are harder when you're playing a 72-game regular season, you know, back-to-backs, all that fun stuff. But the fact that they're playing him so much and the fact that he's playing so well, you know, proves you right. And I kind of, you know, when you talked highly of THT, you know, back in the playoffs and whatnot. Like, I know he had some potential there, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, he's a second-round pick. Daniel's getting excited about him. He'll play 10 minutes a game next year. Like, But after seeing how he's played these last two games, man, and the numbers he's putting up and just how poised he looks out there, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they might start him out a little bit less, maybe 15 minutes a game, 10, 15 minutes. But I wouldn't be surprised if he plays himself into a legitimate playoff, you know, spot in the rotation. Um He's good, man. He's good on both ends of the floor. He's got he's only six four, I believe, but he's got size. He's got a seven foot wingspan. I think that's the same as LeBron. I, I did it for an article. Um, so he's long. He could pick up the pa- pick off the passing lanes. You know, he could rebound. Decent shot defender for his size, and he's just you know watching what he's doing too with the basketball. Like he could create his own shots. His facilitating's great. Like I, it's it's weird, man. It's I think the Lakers have a hidden gem on their hands. Yeah, I do too. And it's just kind of a continuation of what they've done, you know, a real testament to how good that scouting department is Uh, for the Lakers, man. Every second round pick seems to turn into an NBA contributor. And that's something else we've talked about like extensively on this podcast. Yeah. But the HT might be the best of them all, man. He looks so good out there. And I don't think it's really one of those Kuzma situations where he's shining and everybody's going crazy for him. 
and then he turns out to just be okay. THT is young and raw. He isn't the college-developed player that Kuzma is. Yeah, So for I sure. think that, you know, just looking at THT, like we said, he's younger than both of us. I think he's younger than me by a couple days, which is absolutely nuts, man. He's going out there with some of the best NBA players in the league and really excelling, and he did it in the playoffs, too, in limited time. So Like, his length, man, too. Yeah. I, I, sorry to cut you off. No, I you're good. You're there. But, um, no, just his length, man. His rebounding the last two games, it's been pretty ridiculous too. And I think that is because of the wingspan. Yeah. I think the Lakers have kind of shown, uh, especially with Josh Hart, they like those strong um, guards that can rebound. Mm-hmm. Like Josh Hart used to have near double doubles with rebounds and points, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe that's something we come to expect. And he shows, you know, the ability to be an, ish- an initiator uh, of the offense, which is very impressive at such a yeah, definitely. Um, I'm glad you brought up Josh Hart because that's kind of, you know, they're not exactly similar, but that's kind of the comp I get. Um, in hindsight, you know, I always said that I would have rather seen the Lakers trade Kyle Kuzma instead of Josh Hart in that uh, Anthony Davis deal just because the way Hart would have fit with the team last year and, like you said, his ability to rebound, get double-doubles on certain nights. Um, but now I could, I could kind of see how – you know, why they were okay with including Josh Hart and why they traded into the second round. That's the important thing here. This isn't the Lakers stumbling across some guy, you know, oh, we have this, we have the 46 pick in the draft. Let's just pick the best available or, oh, this guy has a little bit of potential. This is them trading into a draft that they did not have a second round pick for because they liked this guy. So that also helps his, you know, helps the narrative and helps his case of thinking that he could actually be a legitimate role player. And, you know, maybe he's like a legitimate starting player in a few years, you know, once he gets some years under him. Um, the fact that they traded for him, they wanted him, the Lakers have great track record of this kind of stuff. And, I mean, so far it's paying off. LeBron, you know, I mean, LeBron loves Shabbat as Napier, Napier, but that hasn't really <laughs> turned it to be anything. But uh, the fact that he loves him is fantastic for THT's future. And, man, I'm excited. And I'm glad you mentioned Kuzma as well because one thing I wanted to talk about and I think, you know, this is going to be kind of the headline of the article I'm going to write for this podcast episode. Um, every podcast, we have an article that goes up with it is it, it's too soon now. Um, you know, the Kyle Kuzma trades, we've been talking about him for two years now. Uh, talked about it at the deadline, talked about him in the offseason. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen in the next week or two. If it happens, it's going to happen at the deadline. He's on a restricted deal, or he's a restricted free agent, excuse me, after this season. Uh, the Lakers can match any offer he gets, but some team might overpay him. But I think if THT shows them what they want him to show them in that first month of the season, and I think that is that he could take over for Kuzma right now, I, I think they might trade Kuzma for 75 cents on the dollar even. Like, I think he becomes such an expendable piece that it's like, look, we don't even have to get this fantastic return for him. Like, we have a guy in THT who could take his spot in the rotation and and be better, you know, arguably be better because the way the roster's, you know, constructed, Kuzma's pretty much the backup three, the backup wing with, you know, Markeith at the four and uh, uh, Montrez at the five. You saw, you swap THT with Kuzma, THT at the three, you know, Markeith at the four, uh, Trez at the five. You know, that's arguably a better outlook. So I think if he plays mm-hmm. how they expect, I think overall long-term, I think the Lakers might be more high on him. Um, so I, I don't like Kyle Kuzma's future on the Lakers for that reason. But if he shows that he's ready now, I genuinely do think this is the time where they finally like just cut ties with Kuzma and get whatever they can for him. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I you know I'm not very high on Kuzma personally. No, you're not. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've talked about it a lot. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, even though they're very different players, they play different, different positions or different sizes, shape sizes, whatever you want to say. Um, 
THT's just outright better than Kuzma. And you're exactly right that I think that THT could probably step in tomorrow and take Kuzma's minutes and play them better than he can just because of what he brings on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Just because of his body type, dude, he doesn't even need really any defensive IQ to be at least an average defender. Yeah. Um, he clogs the passing lanes just with his length, yeah. which is impressive. <laughs> you can't really say that about a lot of people. Um, I mean, we talked about Kevin Durant being as long as he is, Brandon Ingram being as long as he is. But those guys are, you know, 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, at one time, we thought Kevin Durant was a 7-footer because he was so long. Um, but DHT at 6'4", with a 7-foot wingspan, is extremely impressive. You know, those type of players do not come around very often with that height and uh, and length discrepancy. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Alex Crusoe, the god himself, he only has a 6-foot, six, 5.5-inch six wingspan. Um, just want to point that out. Now, uh, Caruso did get a little uh, little injury in game one. He did not play game two of the preseason. It was, a, I believe, a, a hip flexor strain. They said it wasn't significant. He might play against the Suns, uh, one of the two Suns scrimmages. Um, he seems to be okay. You know, I wanted to ask you, though, about Caruso and about THT. Like, if THT turns out to be this, like, stud, like, that's, that's picking between your children right there. Like, who are you going to support more, Caruso or THT? <laughs> oh, man. That's actually... That's a good question, man. I uh hmm. I love me some THT. I love me some Caruso, but I think I'm a Caruso stan and I love THT. Maybe I become a THT stan too. We'll see. I'm trying to think. So you love Caruso, you love THT. Who what's another like young player that you love? Um, in the league? Yeah, just in the league in general. Not I'm a like Doncic a stan. Well, not a not a superstar. Okay. Mm. Start one, cut one. Start one, bench one, cut one. Caruso, okay. THT, and Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Le- uh, I was going to say Leangelo. <laughs> I was just reading an article about the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Lonzo Ball, I would absolutely cut. Oh. I would probably... Oh, my heart. Start THT, sit Caruso from wow. a basketball perspective. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I think so. Fair enough. I mean, as a Lonzo stan, I take a little bit of offense to that, but, you know. Oh, yeah, Lonzo, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so THT, he's kind of a new Laker. He's not really a new Laker. I mean, he was with the team last year, uh, mostly in the G League. Uh, we got some other first looks at some other new Lakers, though. Um, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Saul, Wesley Matthews. Uh, they all played. Uh, Montrez is the only one to play both games, I believe. Um, what did you think? You know, I know Montrez, the game one, it was kind of like a little bit of a meme because he was kind of – going hard until the final whistle in a preseason game. And I saw some Clipper fans on Twitter talking about, oh, this is his championship, blah, blah, blah. He just wants to get back at his old team. I think that's just who Trez is. You know, he's always going to go hard. He doesn't seem like the type that's ever going to, like, let up at a basketball game. Like, even if it's just, you know, mm-hmm. pick up at 24, he's going to play the exact same way as he would game seven of the NBA Finals. Um, did you like what you saw out of him, though, these first two games? You know, whatever you caught of the two games. Uh, how do you think he fits with this Lakers team now that you've actually seen it in action? Dude, I really like him. I, I like him as a fit for sure. I think him and AD are going to work really well together. We haven't really seen that, you know, a lot of minutes. Um, or any, yeah. right? Have we seen them play together at all? No, AD and LeBron haven't played any of the first two yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, we haven't seen them. But I think they're going to work really well together. I always like Montrezl Harrell. It's kind of that Energizer Bunny type that the Lakers kind of needed. Mm-hmm. Because you have your stars and everybody else, you know, they kind of did their thing. But I feel like Montrezl Harrell brings a different kind of energy that the Lakers did lack last year. And, you know, it's hard to say that they lacked anything because obviously they won uh, the NBA top. 
just an excellent signing. You know, in game one, 13 and 12 in 31 minutes. And in the second game, 19 and 11 in solid numbers. Not enough minutes. You know, most guys would not put up double doubles in uh, that small of minutes. So pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's going to be interesting, too, to see how, like you said, how he fits with AD, how he fits with some of these other, uh, you know, the centers on the roster. You know, Marcus All played game two. We'll talk about him in a sec. Um, you know, my biggest thing with how he was used on the Clippers is I feel like he's best used as like a 4-5 hybrid with when you have a 5 who can also space the floor but also rim protect like a Marcus All or like an Anthony Davis. Um, but I, I really like the just the idea, you know, of – you know, LeBron's going to have a lesser workload this year. That's already pretty much a guarantee. Um, but kind of those bench units where we see, you know, we saw it last year where LeBron would sit down, but AD would stay on the court with, like, Rondo and such. I, I love the idea of AD on the court with, you know, Trez and Dennis Schroeder, uh, Schroeder, excuse me, and what they can do. Uh, Schroeder played game one. He did not play game two. Ten points in 24 minutes. I know he was getting a little bit of criticism. Uh, our own Ronald Agers, Agers, or Agers, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Ron, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Um, he was kind of critical of him. Uh, he was saying, you know, he doesn't think this version of Schroeder can start on the Lakers, which I don't think he should start anyways, just because I think he's better maximized off the bench. But he was talking about how he wasn't getting the offense really going that much. He was kind of just, you know, kind of putting the ball up. He went four of 11 shooting. Um, I don't think it's too much to worry about. I don't think the Lakers were necessarily running any sets in this game. I think it was kind of just free form. Um, I think it'll be much better in the regular season. Do you? Yeah, I do. I will say this, though. I kind of do agree with him in the sense that I don't really see Schroeder being that great of an initiator or a ball handler. Okay. ...do that or another season point guard. Schroeder's more of an offensive-oriented player that is more of an off-ball guy, you know? He can – I mean, he shoots a three-ball. He has the ball in in his hands – and is capable of driving, but he's not somebody you exactly want to run the offense. Yeah. So I kind of do agree with him in that sense. Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, I mean, optimistically speaking, you know, you hope that it's better when he's coming off the bench and they kind of don't really need him to be this, you know, offensive motor. It can kind of just be like, hey, let's maximize your just pure athleticism. Um, you know, you and Trez just running up and down the floor. And maybe he gets more minutes with LeBron than we initially thought he would. You know, because I always kind of envisioned it as him being, you know, kind of the floor general when LeBron's off the court. Um, but we'll mm-hmm. see. I mean, it, it's one preseason game. Um, I mean, we're hyping up THT, but, you know, it, it's it's you can't really get too much about a fit. But I definitely understand the concerns. I'm still just super excited about him and Trez being in that second unit, man. That's just so exciting. I don't see how anyone in the league can even keep up with that. Um, I mentioned Marcus Gasol. He did not play game one, but he did play game two. Uh, he went six, four and five in 22 minutes. And I know this, the box score isn't, you know, insane. And I didn't get a chance to watch game two live. I did watch, like, the, you know, the House of Highlights or whatever, you know, YouTube highlights. Um, hand up. I got to be completely transparent here. Um, I like Marcus Gasol on this team, man. He offers the same rim protecting that they got out of JaVale and Dwight. He can space the floor. And he's got a little bit of, like, point center in him, man. He was, you know, kind of moving the basketball around, kind of making things happen. Uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see another Gasol in L.A., I think he's a fantastic fit on this team, and six, four, and five in twenty-two minutes, as little as it was, it was enough to show me that, like, yeah, Marcus Hall still got a lot in the gas tank. Yeah, dude, he did look really good out there. I like that you mentioned the point center thing because that's what I was going to touch on. He's always been a really gifted passer. Powell was kind of the kind of the same way too. He was a really good passer for a big man, 
but Mark's Mark's better in that regard, I think. Um, man, he was connecting with THT on multiple occasions. They looked like they were in sync when they were on the court together, you know. So, man, I'm I'm hoping he kind of fits that role for the Lakers. He's kind of kind of sneaky, maybe a little little touch of Jokic in there. <laughs> um, yeah, man, and I mean, 22 minutes. I think that's probably probably close to around what he'll get. Uh, he's probably going to start and then be in the closing lineup as well. I would assume I could be wrong. Um, but just cause his defense is still so solid and his, you know, his ability with the basketball, but it just, it opens so many things, man. And that's what I was talking about, you know, throughout the off season when we're kind of like grading this off season in a sense, um, they just got better, man. Rob Palinka did a great job of, you know, they had a formula last year that worked It won a title. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, crap on last year's team and be like, oh, it needed this improvement, and this improvement. Like, you know, I think a lot of people are doing that before the season about the supporting cast, but they made it work with what they had. You know, at the end of the day, they didn't have a fantastic, you know, veteran group like Rondo. They needed playoff Rondo to show up. Uh, JaVale and Dwight, you know, they were both question marks and the Lakers maximized both of them. Uh, Danny Green was the one guy we were all expecting to be good and he kind of, you know, fell apart in the, in the bubble. Um, but it was kind of like a piece together kind of supporting cast that they made the most of. And now I see guys, you know, Palinka's got, improved from those guys and guys that are going to benefit each other, uh, kind of bounce off of each other, I should say. Um, it's just I'm, I'm so excited to watch this team play actual meaningful basketball. And I know that the regular season isn't going to be like super meaningful for them because they, they know they're going to be, you know, the one seed no matter what. Um, but it's just good basketball, man. I'm just I'm just kind of, you know cheesing right now about good basketball <laughs> the only thing this team yeah, needs is Lonzo Ball it's the only thing this team needs <laughs> yeah yeah I was saying uh Dennis Schroeder likes something that Lonzo Ball brings to the table maybe yeah. that'll work <laughs> there you go mate oh do they sign Leangelo oh gosh hey I'm and just saying trade for LaMelo trade THT straight up for LaMelo Ball <laughs> um <laughs> who says no uh, just saying though, you know, Lakers are great at, you know, finding these, these second round prospects. Maybe it's not so much that they're finding great guys. Maybe they're, you know, developing them, you know, in G league and whatnot. Maybe they develop Leangelo to be the best ball brother. You know, the one everyone counted out turns into the superstar of the mix, you know, just a, a three and D player next to LeBron James. He becomes LeBron James sidekick move over Anthony Davis. I think Leangelo can do that. Leangelo ball. Yeah. You know, the Pistons are in a smart organization as it is. You probably let them go without even thinking about it because they're not smart. <laughs> Leangelo Ball, stud, future stud in the NBA. Man, I hope – I don't think it will ever happen. This is a little off topic here, but I hope they should do some charity thing where uh, MJ actually uh, plays one-on-one against LeVar because that would be fantastic. That would just be absolutely fantastic. (laughs) Did you see him get torched by MJ? Um, Must see TV. I I don't know. Does MJ do it, though, or is he scared that he might lose to LeVar and then lose his reputation? Can you imagine – That'd be the upset of the century. Like, move over, you know, Logan Paul knocking out Floyd Mayweather when they fight in, like, February or whatever, if you want to call that a fight. Um, that would be a less of a of an upset than LeVar Ball beating Michael Jordan one-on-one in a game of basketball. <laughs> oh, man. That would yeah, be. Yeah, LeVar Ball, dude. Oh, man. I'm glad he's out of the spotlight. Yeah, for sure. Um, if that ever did happen, how I see it going down is I see it going – MJ lets LeVar start with the ball just because he knows LeVar's worse. And then LeVar just, like, chucks up a three and makes it. And then just says last shot wins and, like, storms off the court saying, like, big baller brand and everything. <laughs> like, just acts like he took the dub. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last new face on the Lakers is not LeVar Ball, unfortunately. Uh, Wesley Matthews. So he played game one, scored eight points, had five boards. Um, 
you know, he was just kind of doing his thing, kind of as a, you know, off-ball three-point shooter. Uh, I don't have his shooting numbers up right now. I don't know if you have them or not. I want to click on ESPN, but they have the worst autoplay videos in the world. Um, let's see. I got to the box score without any autoplay videos. Um, full box score. This is terrible radio. I'm just going to keep talking to fill in the empty space. Oh, he actually went 0 for 2 from 3. So, excuse me. But he did go 4 for 4 from the free throw line. Um, didn't really show much, though. I mean, 23 minutes. Again, 0 for 2 from deep. I, I still like him being that Danny Green replacement. I think, you know, with I think Danny Green has a higher ceiling, but Wesley Matthews can absolutely contribute what Danny Green contributed last year, especially in the bubble. Um, and our own Justin Hickley actually wrote an article about how Wesley Matthews, based on his career numbers and whatnot, could actually set the Lakers record for three-pointers made in a season. Like, it's not, like, this absurd number like it's like you would think it would be. So that's something to watch out for. Can he set the Lakers' right. single-season uh, three-point record? i got to pull up the mm. number right here. Let's see here. The number is 183 by Nick Van Exel in 1995. So he would have to average uh, 72 games. If he plays all 72 games, he'd have to average, you know, 2.7 or whatever it is. That's something Wesley Matthews can do if he is as good of an off-ball shooter as he can be. So that's something to watch, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Do you think he could do that? Mm, it's going to be harder in a 72-game season, but yeah, I can see it. I can see it. If he has a really good, solid, like, 40% uh, three-point shooting year, maybe even 38% to 40% range, I think he could do it. But anything under that, he's probably a long shot. Yeah, I have a number I want to uh, throw at you real quick. I mean, I feel bad for Wesley Matthews. We talked in depth about all these guys, and then Wesley Matthews were just kind of like, yeah, maybe he sets a three-point record. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't really show much. Um, so I was writing an article about, you know, Lakers who were going to have a breakout season, and it was mostly uh, in the scope of, kind of break out to the general public because I feel like all three of these guys, Laker fans, kind of know what their value is. But uh, one of them, the last one I wrote was Markeith Morris. Um, and I was looking at his playoff numbers because that's been, you know, I loved how good he played in the playoffs. That's why I, I wanted the Lakers to re-sign him. I think he's just a great role player. You know, he's $62 million cheaper than his twin brother who is, I don't know, 10% better than him, if that. Um, Morris shot 42% from beyond the arc in the NBA playoffs this last playoffs, Daniel. He made 29 of 69 AO. Um <laughs> Only two players in Lakers history have had a better three-point percentage in a single playoffs with as many attempts. Michael Cooper in 1987, he shot 48.6. And Trevor Reza in 2009, 47.6. So Markeith had the third best three-point percentage in Lakers history. Playoff, Lakers history. (laughs) Markeith Morris, that's going to be a trivia question one day that nobody gets. Except me. (laughs) (laughs) Except me and you and the listeners. (laughs) Um, But when I looked at that, because I was like, I knew he shot good, but then I was like, 42%? Holy smokes. And I looked at the all-time list, and I was like, oh, my God. Michael Cooper and Trevor Ariza. I mean, Michael Cooper, you know, he's fantastic. Ariza was good when he was on the Lakers. Actually, and something we can close the show on, kind of improvised. Trevor Ariza could be a Laker one day, or in the near future, Daniel. Did you hear about that? Uh, No, I did not. So it's it's a rumor. It's not anything necessarily um, set in stone. I don't know who first reported the rumor, but it's been on like Lakers Nation, SB Nation, all these sites, all these aggregating sites. Um, I wrote that he could be a potential buyout option, just like kind of speculating, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, uh-huh. But if they release someone like Alfonso McKinney, you know, mid-season, but Ariza, he's in OKC. Um, there's a good chance they probably buy him out some point throughout the year, and apparently the Lakers are uh, monitoring. Oh, Shams reported it. The Lakers are monitoring his uh, situation. So interesting. Trevor Ariza could become a Laker. 
that would be cool. Bring back Trevor Reese and Pau Gasol. Yeah. I, man, I would love for them to bring back Pau, but I feel like if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me being pessimistic. Yeah. You might be right, actually. Like, I guess you could make the case, like, maybe they wait till midseason. But why would you wait till midseason? Like, I think they would have signed him over, you know, using that re-signing Quinn Cook or signing Jared Dudley. Uh, Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley. <laughs> Can you believe Jared Dudley might have more, have two championships with the Lakers? Like, that's insane. Like, if assuming yeah. they win this year. Like, he'll have more championships than what? Paul George, that's for sure. Um, he already yeah, has more than Paul George. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, so that'd be interesting, though, if Ariza got brought back to the Lakers. Um, preseason, though, those were the first two games. I, they have two games against the Phoenix Suns. I believe on the slate. Yes. Yeah, so Wednesday, that is uh, two days from now at the time recording this 12, 16 at 6 PM. And then they also play Friday, 12, 18 at 7 30 PM. And I believe they have a few days off. Yep. And then the start of the regular season. So I guess our plan here, we're planning on, we've been doing in the off season, kind of one episode a week, but longer kind of digested throughout the week. We're going to get back to two to three a week, uh, two for sure. Shorter episodes like this one. So we'll probably come back at you. Oh, this is hard because the preseason, it being yeah. on Friday. Maybe we'll come back at you Saturday morning. Maybe we'll do a Friday release, and we'll just talk about the Wednesday preseason game and then kind of preview the start of the season. That'll be our next episode. And then the episode after that, I think we'll do a reactionary episode after opening night against the Clippers on next Tuesday. Does that sound good, Daniel? Yes, sir. And then we got Christmas. I mean, I, our schedule, we might go once a week because Christmas come up. I don't know. We'll figure it out. The Taylor Horton Tucker Show, we will figure it out here. Daniel, you got anything else? <laughs> no, sir. Go Lakers. I mean, I mean, go Taylor Horton Tucker. I'll, I'll